Welcome everyone to another episode of the Black Menaces Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Bird, and I have another host on with me. Rachel Weaver, we are so excited to be here again with you guys today, but we're on a different setting. We're in Zoom because I have uh, moved far away. So <laughs> by far away, I mean like 45 minutes from where we normally record. <laughs> That's a long ways when you got to deal with traffic for sure. And gas. <laughs> ooh, don't even start on the gas. It's crazy that Prices. now we're like, ooh, 450, so cheap. That's a shame. That's a crying shame. Nope. But yeah, we want to introduce a wonderful guest to the mm-hmm. show. Uh, probably my favorite guest that we've had so far. Can I just say how beautiful you As are? As I should. <laughs> I just want to say real quick, you're so beautiful. Can I get your number? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, you can. All right. I'd cool. love to see this. I'm going to call you afterwards. Matter of <laughs> fact, can I come over after this? <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> all right y'all this is my wonderful wife cassandra cooper i'm not out here harassing nobody please don't cancel yes. me <laughs> <laughs> just so y'all know <laughs> no this is my wonderful wife cassandra cassandra you want to tell us a little bit about yourself where you're from what you do for work and how much better you are than me yes i am cassandra cooper bird i am from central falls rhode island so any of my peeps from rhode island out there um and i work as a mental health therapist in the orem area so i see a lot of clients weekly mainly college-age students but help them work through challenges related to depression anxiety addiction recovery um but yeah that's just a little bit about me wonderful well yeah we're super excited to have you on the show we've been talking about it for a minute and it's about time because we need your wisdom one thing people's like when people ask me what my favorite thing is about cassandra i always say she's very wise and um she keeps me out of trouble for sure and when she's not not around i get into more trouble so i'm glad to <laughs> glad to have her in my that's life. true yes. mm-hmm. and i can testify to her wisdom she's always saying things i'm like yeah hey man girl like yes tell me help me fix my life because <laughs> <I'm the best." laughs> so if cassandra ever gives you advice just listen to it because if you don't something bad gonna happen yep that's true all right well cool so we're gonna jump into a menace moment really quick and uh going with the the, kind of this maybe we'll go a little bit with the theme of today we're gonna talk about angela davis who Mm. is a living menace i thought i thought about doing an old school menace you know somebody who is is dead and gone um, but did great things but i'm like no why do that when we can focus on people who are still alive today so angela davis was born in 1944 and she's still alive. She is an activist, a feminist, an author, and a teacher, and many other things. Um, and I, I think she's a perfect example of a menace because the way that she was perceived in society at the time or the way that um, people tried to paint her to be uh, was very different than who she actually was. And we recognize her for for the things that she did today. Um, but growing up, her neighborhood in Birmingham, Alabama was known as Dynamite Hill because of how often the KKK bombed it. She also knew several of the girls that died in the Birmingham church bombing, which if you don't know, that's when um, members of the Ku Klux Klan bombed a Baptist church in Birmingham, Alabama and killed four little black girls. Um, She also knew she graduated magna cum laude as one of the three black students at Bermace University in Massachusetts. And as a grad student, she joined many groups, including the Black Panther Party and an all black branch of the Communist Party at UC San Diego. And she turned on offers from Princeton and Swarthmore. And took a job as a professor at UCLA, but was later fired because of her alleged ties to communism. Um, She fought for her job back in court and won, but left in 1970 when her contract expired. I thought it was funny that they said that she left, but really what happened was 
after her contract expired, they didn't want her back. So she had no choice but to leave, right? Um, in 1972, Angela Davis was falsely accused of murder and kidnapping. She was placed on the FBI most wanted list and labeled a dangerous terrorist by Richard Nixon. Uh, three black inmates killed a prison guard who had killed a black inmate. Uh, Angela voiced her support for them and was accused of murder because a brother of one of the inmates used one of her guns to try and break his brother out of prison. She was acquitted after being in prison for nearly a year and a half. And this I thought was amazing because this was in the 70s. And this just goes to show how big her impact was. During her imprisonment, 67 countries and 200 American organizations lobbied for her release. That's crazy. That's a lot of reach to have back then because how many people were uh, were that aware or like knew that much of what was going on? But the fact that people in 67 different countries and 200 different organizations in America wanted Angela Davis out of jail during that year and a half, that just goes to show you how powerful she was and how powerful she, she is today. She was that girl. She was. That girl, mm-hmm. she was She was, she her. was the original, <laughs> right. Um, and this I thought was cool because I actually didn't know this. She came out as a member of the LGBTQ community in 1997. She identifies as a lesbian. And her and her partner, Gina Dent, remain advocates for black liberation. They live in California. She's a member of the National Women's Hall of Fame and was one of the Times Magazine's Women of the Year. And uh, Times Magazine also named her as one of the most iconic women since the suffrage movement. So that means that they named her like she was one of the most iconic women ever to live, um, which I thought was amazing. And she spoke out against the Vietnam War, the 9-11 terror attacks, and the racism and injustice that she witnessed during her work. And she's written seven books. So Angela Davis, like Rachel said, she is that girl, right? Seven books. That's that's crazy. So good on her to have done all of that um, as as a black woman, as a black queer woman. That's a lot. uh, That's a lot of legacy to live up to. Mm-hmm. ultimate menace love it love it love it love it but uh yeah with that rachel you want to jump into the question of the week yes so this question we got through email and they first started off asking us if we knew about the situation with the tiktoker lip gloss with like 10 s's if you guys are familiar with her i love her account so much she is this young black girl i think she's 19 and she just makes commentary on any and everything and she talks about a lot of different things on her account and so i'm a huge supporter of her so when the email did about this question i was like yes i follow everything she does um and so she had made this video and she said in it this is what the person said asked if we could talk about the video and how she said she could only pull white boys with this hair um because she was talking about wearing her 4c natural hair fully shrunken right where her hair was not like stretched out or anything and then she got a lot of backlash on twitter people or basically black men were coming after her saying oh that's not true black men will date you with this hair the situation got really out of hand to the point that someone took her photos created a fake hinge account to prove that black men would date her and then they uploaded the photo like the result on Twitter like look black men will date you with your 4C fully shrunken hair and she made the comment in passing as a joke like haha I can only get white men with this hair and as a black woman you know I'm laughing because haha like I know what she means by that Mm -hmm. so the fact that people got butt hurt is kind of crazy and so this person wanted us to basically speak on the bigger issues of texturism, massage noir is that how you say that? Yeah Mm -hmm. 
especially the just doesn't get talked about a lot and i agree this is a topic that doesn't get talked about a lot so um that's what we're going to talk about today texturism and any thoughts on the situation with lip gloss if you're familiar with what it was cassandra do you know have you did you hear about that before today yes so i've heard about it i have seen the video reading through comments and it was very polarized in the comment section so a lot of people were agreeing saying you know yes this is the truth for many black women and then there are also people who are like that's not the case right basically that she basically insinuating that she was creating this anti-black man campaign um so i've seen it and i i'm a little torn <laughs> I'm a little torn and let me tell you why. I don't know if you want to get into it now or later, yeah. but no, yeah. no, now let's, let's get, get into, into it now. It. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I definitely agree with her statement, whether she said it, you know, jokingly or, you know, with some truth to it. Cause let's be honest, a lot of jokes have the truth, you know, hidden mm -hmm. in there. I can definitely see why she believes that because I've seen it not only in my own life, but with people close to me, right? Granted, my experience and her experience is not the experience of every Black woman, but, you know, I think that a lot can be said about the nature of texturism in the Black community. For example, me, of course, I have, you know, box braids on today, but most people would consider my texture to be on the looser end right so the curls are definitely more defined very curly um and i have had black men specifically <laughs> you know tell me that it looks fake ask me if i was mixed tell me that it looks like i was wearing a wig right and so i think that there is this assumption within the black community that one certain textures are only reserved for certain complexions, which, you know, we can get into colorism, texturism yep. and colorism and racism. They're like the three amigos, they're best. Yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> but without getting into, you know, all three of those separate topics, you know, I have seen people treat me differently, specifically within the black community when my hair is looking one way versus another. And I think that with my curl pattern comes some level of privilege. I definitely get more comments. I definitely get more recognition. I get more praise because of my, you know, curl pattern compared to my younger sister, for instance, which also, sorry to throw you in here, but my sister, she's amazing. Victoria, love you, shout out. Um, and just other black women, I think when people see certain textures, they, will promote some but not the other and so there's this common phrase you know we love natural women natural this natural skin natural hair but we only like natural hair when it's like a certain texture when it's nice and loose when it's smooth but when it's very kinky when it's short when it's very thick and full then that energy it kind of switches up and so i feel as though there is some hypocrisy um, but yeah, those are just some of my <laughs> surface level thoughts on the topic. Yeah, no, amen to everything you said, Cassandra. Um, I, yeah, I don't even know where to start with some of the things you said. I, speaking on my own personal experience as well, I too have um, looser curls that people, like people would categorize. And because of it, 
um, I've heard so many times in my life um, because I, I went natural in high school uh, in, in the sense of I stopped straightening my hair and I only wear my hair curly. Like the last time I straightened my hair was for my prom in 2017. And before that, um, it had been two years, like two years since I straightened it. So that's just not my lifestyle anymore. And so when I was doing that, though, in high school and everyone noticed me changing my hair, everyone's like, oh, well, you can do that, Rachel, because you have good hair. I heard that all the time from black people. And even now as my hair is, you know, I wear it out all the time. Like you said, Cassandra, I get more praise, more compliments. And um, I notice the difference in the way, just even within my own family, because me and my sisters all have very similar hair textures. But let my grandma, she um, has gone natural too. And just even though comments she makes about herself and us, it's very telling, my dad's mom, she'll be like, oh, well, you got that loose hair, so you can do that. You got that You got that good hair, so your hair can do those things, because mine can't. And just like that attitude, even amongst Black people, it's just very interesting. And um, for me, I'm always, I'm always hesitant when Black men compliment my hair, because I'm like, hmm, what's behind this? Like, what is your reason for saying these things? And I have been asked, I was I have been questioned more by black people on my blackness than I am than I have been by non-black people. Like black people who will swear like you're mixed. You there's no way you're fully black. And I'm like, okay, yeah, no black person unless they straight from the motherland is fully black. Okay. Like we are all mixed with whiteness at some point, like because of slavery. So don't if you want to play that game, we can. And so um <laughs> I'm just saying, like, let, let, let's let's not do that. And so um that's been interesting and telling and the situation with lip gloss uh like you said i understand her experience based on what i've heard from my friends with um hair that's coarser than my hair that's you know further on the hair texture scale than mine and even though i haven't personally experienced that i have seen it so i do know that there is some truth to that and but if i'm also being honest i really also just don't pay attention to the way i think in terms of dating, I didn't really start dating until I came to college. And in my college years, I've been in Utah around very limited number of black men in terms of my dating experience. And so I don't really notice the difference because I also have worn my hair natural the entire time I've been in college. The only time it's not nat- like curly is when I have braids in. And so I don't, I don't really know the difference in the way black men would treat me because I've always had a curly. So I wish that I had more experience like that because I know some girls who are like, yeah, I, more black guys talk to me when I wear my hair straight, have a weave than when I do. Even girls who have like hair texture like mine, they're like, yeah, still less black men talk to me, which is interesting. Again, I don't have personal experience with that, so, but I do know it's, there's truth behind what she's talking about. For sure. You know, um, I'm a recovering misogynist myself. Oh, gosh. So <laughs> I have a... Well, no, like, like to say, like, I, I, I want to be a feminist, right? And I want to, like, step away from misogyny, but I still have my moments. Like, there's still times where I catch myself, like, interrupting when I shouldn't. There are times when I, I catch myself, like, thinking in ways or, like, behaving in ways that I know are not right, but I still have to, like, work to move past my privilege and kind of make, like, actively work on not being misogynist, right? So that's when I, when I say I'm recovering misogynist, it means that I'm, like, I'm moving away from that. But I still have my moments, if that makes sense. I hope that doesn't sound bad. But I feel like it's better than saying like a former misogynist because 
just being a man, <laughs> I still subscribe to, you know, yeah. elements of patriarchy, right? So I have to work, I'm always working, right? And the same thing that with people who are recovering from some sort of addiction, they're constantly working to stay away from that and to avoid it, right? So I, that's the term that I, that I want to apply to that. Anyway, moving past that, um, I can understand, I guess, the uproar behind this. I think it's totally unfounded. I think that um, what she said was a joke. She was making a joke. And she was making a joke that was rooted in truth, rooted in the fact that um, there is a deep level of, of colorism and texturism and racism, like white supremacy rooted into the black community. Even in those comments, like you said, oh, you have good hair. I got those, too, because my hair is a little bit on the softer side. And so I get those comments, too, like, Nate, you have good hair and that kind of thing. And I was like, what does that mean? Like, what makes my hair better than anybody else's? Oh, the fact that it's soft or the fact that it's more like a white person's hair because it's soft or like easier to straighten, you know? And so. Yeah, thinking about that, I, I can understand, um, I guess, why black men would get upset at being called out for their their subconscious racism and things like that. And looking at some of the things that people put on Twitter, their, you know, their comments and things. Oh, how can how dare you say that we, you know, that black men don't love your hair? And don't you understand that it's white people who invented texturism? And how can you say that white people love uh love your hair more than black men. They're the ones that invented texturism in the first place. And it's like, okay, I get that. But you're taking what she said completely out of context. First of all, it was a joke. Secondly, it was rooted in the idea that black men be trifling out here. And we see that a lot in the ways that, that black women are treated, right? And it's just the honest truth. Now, not to say that, that having a preference for someone outside of your race is a bad thing. We, that's a whole other, that's a whole other subject that we could talk more into because it's so complex, right? But um, it's important to ex to examine why that preference exists in the first place, right? Well, I, you know, I'm not going to go into specifics, but it's not that common amongst other cultures. But for some reason in the black community, um, a lot of times whiteness is the standard. And so the closer that we are to whiteness, um, the the better we're perceived. And whether that's texture of hair, color of skin, um, those things make a big difference in how we are perceived as black people within our own community and also within the white community. And so that goes deeply into to white supremacy and racism and the effects that, that have had on black people from slavery until now. Um, but I, I can definitely understand the uproar there. And But I also see her side and I fully agree with her comments and with what she said. And I also think it's really in just like anti-blackness. I think that this is just mm -hmm. what this exposes that so much of racism and white supremacy is rooted in anti-blackness and anti you know just the dislike of anything that the closest thing to blackness and so that's why people try to run away from it so much and anything that is associated with being more black is not okay and it's just it's just very interesting and um i feel as a you know it's just interesting experience with texturism colorism all of those isms within a hyper a, a black a more black community versus a more white community and also like education level really impacts that as well i don't know if you guys feel that way but growing up i was around people who you know weren't um uneducated just less educated than my friends who i interact with in college who are black people and um i encounter less isms in those ways with my friends who are you know highly educated black people at byu and also just like this is a more white community so those kind of things just come up less versus growing up those were comments and ideas and things that were just flowed naturally with, through conversation and thought and no one blinked twice 
And I just think it's really um, interesting and something to consider um, because even just like, yeah, just talking about like no one at BYU has ever said, oh, you have that good hair or you this, you that. If any of those comments are made to me to this day, it is always when I'm back home around my family or around people that I grew up with. Yeah, that's very true. And I think also at BYU people, um, the black people that we hang out with are the black people that want to be around black people in the first place. That's true. <laughs> and so I think that probably makes a big difference too. Yeah. And, you know, kind of going back to what you said, Nate, earlier about um, just the root of these conversations, right? When we said, when we talk about colorism and texturism and these, these very complex concepts and where they come from and, you know, the people who say it's white people who created these standards and it's white people who did this and who did that. Yes, it's very true, but as a black community, it's up to us to not perpetuate these standards. And if you have a preference, cool, that's fine. But where does that preference come from? Why is that your preference? Because when I think of just the way that world works, right? The way that the world works, I think of sort of like the natural inclination to be attracted to those things that look like you, right? And so to me, that means black men, they would love black women with, you know, the more tighter curls, with the more thick full hair, with textures that mimic those of their mothers and their sisters. But if your preference is everything that is opposite of you, at some point, you have to take a look at some of the deeper effects of that. Having to take a deeper look at where these preferences come from, because a lot of times people use preference as an excuse, right? Because if someone throws that term out, you can't really dispute that. Because how do you how do you challenge someone on what their preference is? But really stopping and saying, like, why is that your preference? where does this preference come from? Was it strictly society? Is it family? Is it some type of way to get a leg up? And so a lot of times these conversations are hard to have because you're forced to recognize that the fault sort of lies within and that you have some deep-seated hatred or something about yourself that you do not like. And so you are going out of your way to seek out something that looks very different from you. And so who wants to do that? Who wants to sit back and say, damn, I think I'm the problem. <laughs> I think, you know, there's something within my thought process that is affecting, you know, the way that I perceive beauty and what I look for in women. And so, you know, hard conversations need to be had, but really that's the first step is being willing and able to admit to yourself that, hey, Maybe I have a little bit of colorism inside of me. Maybe I'm a texturist. And then really starting from there. But the more people deny and just hide behind this facade of preference, nothing's actually going to change. I agree. And I think that's an excellent segue into kind of the topic of, of dating and relationships and, and race within those areas. <laughs> um, as, as a black man, I have uh you know when i was looking for a relationship my goal was always to have a relationship with a black woman and i it was exclusive right um and that was a, it was a deliberate choice by me because i knew that i was going into uh an area where there were not going to be a lot of black people and so i i definitely i made a conscious decision that i only wanted to date people who were black and i only wanted to 
um, have a relationship with with people who are black, like a romantic a romantic relationship. That is, um, you know, there were a few dates that I went on that were with people who were not black. But uh, when it came down to it, my goal was to find a black woman and to marry a black woman, right? And so when the time came that I was ready for that, that was all that was in my head. And so it wasn't really something that phased me. And so, you know, when, when Cassandra and I met and when we started dating, um, I pretty much knew that she was the one I wanted to marry from date number two, right? And so once I knew that, um, then it was just a matter of, of helping her to feel the same way, right? Didn't get convincing. <laughs> just had to say it. <laughs> <Maybe with a bedroom. clears throat> That's not even where my mind was going, but I just had to say it. Um, but yeah, so, um, b- but yeah, so the, moving past that anyway, I, when it comes to, you know, that was the decision that I made um, for myself because that's, I knew, I knew what I wanted. And I, I will just say, I don't think that there's anything wrong with having a relationship outside of your race. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But I do think that it is important to examine why someone might want that in certain cases. Um, you know, a lot of times when I talk to other black men who have been in relationships um, and interracial relationships, um, a lot of the, a lot of the responses that I'll get when when talking about dating black women will be, oh, well, black women never wanted to date me or, oh, I felt intimidated by black women. And I wonder why that is. Why are black women considered to be so intimidating um, or why are they considered to hate black men? Because from what I've seen, that's not the case. And mo- in fact, most cases that I've seen, um, black women prefer to date black men, but they are never pursued by black men. And that is oftentimes why when a, a white man or a man of another race comes along, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say just men, but when a person, an individual of another race comes along who um, who loves them and respects them, then that is what they that is what they choose to surround themselves with. Um, and so um, that's just what I've seen in my experience. But I don't know, Rachel, Cassandra, what have y'all seen? Um, what have your experience been like? There's so much to say with this. But yeah, that's what I've seen, too. And it's really interesting just being of like just seeing dating patterns and seeing the way people operate. And it's very strange. And it's it's really weird. And I think people need to get to a point of being willing to admit when you think problematically and realizing it's not a fault with you, that you aren't a bad person and that you aren't wrong and just admitting it and moving forward because that's the only way we can change. That's, that's life in general, right? If you have an addiction, you need to admit that to be able to get over that. If you have a, like different issues in life, that's just how it is to progress as a human. And that's the same thing with these, you know, internalized racism in turning out and how people choose who they want to date because I don't know if I said this on the podcast but I think I've told you this Nate or I don't know who I was telling this to I say a lot of things to a lot of people but <laughs> I previously really to coming to college my preference or like what I liked was like light-skinned boys that was like what I liked always what I turned to my family would always joke you know, my mom and my sister and younger sister all love dark-skinned men. All of their significant others have been dark. And then there's me. And um, I was only liking light-skinned boys. So I was like the ongoing joke in my family. And one day I had to sit back and say, hmm, why is that, though? Like, do I really, like, is there a problem here? Like, what is, like, is this genuinely what I like? Or is there something else going on here? And I had to admit with myself, you know, yeah, I think there is a little more going on here. I... I'm like, wow, what would I do with a child who was darker than me? I have never thought about that. And I'm like, well, how does that make me feel? And I'm like, I don't know how I would feel about that. And I'm like, okay, that's bad. Like, you need to admit that. I'm like, okay, 
that's not good. Like, I'm like, I don't know what I would say. And so then I started thinking about all these things and I'm like, wow, I have some work to do. And that's okay to admit. And obviously if anybody knows people I've dated, and I, I've never had a boyfriend who's light-skinned. I'll just say that. And so, um, and it doesn't mean that I have fully, like, unlearned everything, but that recognition was the first step for me and myself, being like, okay, that wasn't good, and why is that, and what can I do now to, not necessarily, again, just date some, anybody and everybody to prove that I am not a colorist or whatever, right? Because I think that's what a lot of Black men do, too, especially in Provo that I've seen, not calling particular people out, but I've seen certain individuals do certain things to prove that they aren't a colorist or that they like everyone. And that's not what you should do. You should have that genuine self-inventory, self-reflection, and then understanding where that comes from, what it's rooted in, and realizing that that was rooted in a fear more so for me, a fear that I that's irrational, that I have no reason to be afraid of, right? And I had to just move forward with that. And then when I actually was dating a dark-skinned man i was like okay I, I played through a lot of scenarios in my head like what would it be like to to have these things and making comments and it's just all these things just really help you to just being okay with admitting that you might have learned some problematic things and that's okay and it's your job to unlearn them and to move forward and i like to share this with people because people think that you know black women are exempt from that or that you know because i talk about it that i haven't experienced certain things i'm like no i may have had some bad thinking in the past and i obviously have had to move forward and um yeah i like everything because my at this point my option my my dating history is white man and dark skin man so at this point it's it's kind of crazy so at this point, anyone can walk through the door who knows <laughs> rachel you just gotta work your way up the color palette right get... i've hit both ends so i'm gonna move my way in that's what i'm doing next <laughs> So I would say that my experience, you know, similar to Rachel, I didn't really date prior to coming to college and going to college. For those of you who don't know, I went to BYU-Idaho. So I was in Rexburg, Idaho for my undergraduate degree and then Arizona State for grad school. Prior to going to college, I didn't really have any set type in my mind, right? I didn't feel as though I needed to pursue a certain race or a specific aesthetic in order to, you know, be happy in a relationship. And so going into it, I was pretty much open to dating, you know, whoever it was that, you know, actually stepped up and wanted to get to know me as a person. And so going through my dating experiences with that mindset, I did notice a trend that I was going on quite a lot of dates, but none of them were with Black men. Mm. So, you know, granted, I am more of like a quiet, more reserved person. And people have mentioned, you know, you're intimidating. For all I'm not, you're just intimidated. Let's get that straight. Period. <laughs> but <laughs> in terms of, you know, going through my track record, I have noticed that most of the men that I've dated have been non-Black, right? And so Nate is the first black man to ask me on a date, the first black man that I've had a relationship with, right? And so people may look at that mm -hmm. track record and say, well, what makes you different than black men who you know, may not date black women? The difference is that I'm not the pursuer, right? I'm not going out of my way to pursue a specific thing. 
I am an equal opportunity dater. If you like me, let's go. (laughs) Let's date. Let's get to know each other. Everyone has a fair shot. And so I think that's what the difference is, is that most people don't realize that if you ask Black women out, they, a lot of them, in my experience, from what I've seen in my friend group, do prefer to, you know, date men that look like them, date people that look like them. But that's just not how things are working, at least for me and my inner circle and all in my family as well, looking at men that my sisters have dated, dated a lot of men that were not Black. And they've made their preference known time and time again throughout the years that, you know, they wanted to be with Black men. And so I think with all of this, we need to really pay attention to when we say that something is our preference. Okay, well, are you willing to deviate from that? Mm. Right. Because it's okay to have a type and then, you know, you know, pretty much date someone that follows what your type is. But if you are unwilling to give anyone else a chance, if you're unwilling to really see anything outside of what that specific preference is, specifically, if it's rooted in, you know, colorism, then that is a problem. Um, And so for me, yeah, my dating experience was very, very unique. And I don't know how deeply you want me to get into this. But, you know, I think it's important to recognize that there really are Black women out here that want to be in relationships with other Black people. And so stop making excuses and actually show it, right? Be about it. If you're going to say, well, Black women don't want me, well, then pursue, try harder, because it worked for Nate, and (laughs) it's working for countless other people, right? It's working for many people. I was not slick in the slightest. My hair Not at all. (laughs) Our first date, I was so nervous, I could barely talk, and I still still made it through. So this whole thing about being intimidated or Black women are intimidating, don't even, like, no, don't, that's not a thing, because... It's really just about what you're willing to do um, in order to to get who you want, right? So I don't know if that sounds bad. Also, I'm sorry I cut you off, but I just had to let y'all know. I was not smooth. I had no game. My hairline was crooked. <laughs> I looked dusty. Wait, okay. My clothes uneven. My hair uneven. <laughs> I love that meme. But um, one thing I want to say really quick is because, you know, a lot of, some people like to spin it this way. At the end of the day, like, because of, the way the patriarchy is set up, women do not have that control at the end of the day on dating. Like at the end of the day, marriage and um, relationships really going further, it's determined by men. I wish it wasn't that way, but at the end of the day, the way it, the patriarchy is set up, it is. And so because of that, men have that the choice and they have the, that's why there's so many unmarried black women. What is it? One out of five black women, only one out of five black women statistically will ever be married that's a very low number right and so this feeling of not wanting to date black women is not just within black men but it's it's everywhere as well right and so i think that we need to also take that into account and realize that and have conversations about that because we can't just change the entire way the patriarchy works like well black women just start asking black men out and pursuing no white women don't have to do that hispanic women don't have to you know what i mean and um, again, if we have more time, we can get more into that. But that's something that I think is frustrating personally, because I feel like I get that attitude sometimes when I talk to Black men who lean on this preference so heavy and ride it till it's down on the ground. Um, <laughs> they'll ride that car till the wheels fall off. That is a yes. preference and it is not really anything else. And I'm like, well, let's talk about it, because I've had Black men who literally their preference is 
lighter women. I had one dude tell me, oh yeah, my kids would be lighter because of you. And I'm like, like if we had kids, I'm like, bro, I'm, you think your kid would look like me. You realize we're making more like, like it would be brown, like dark and brown. And we have a brown baby. Like you're not gonna have a baby that look like me, bro. Like you understand the way genetics work. Like he was saying it and I'm like, no babes, like what are you even saying? And so, um, and I even asked the the men, the black men that I have gone out with, I'll be like, oh, am I the, like, what are the other black women you've dated? I want to know what it looks like. I literally be like, have you dated a dark skinned woman? Oh, you haven't? Why? And I'm like, let's talk about it. Like, I'm going to call you out. And I think we need to start doing that as a, as a community as well within black women, especially and women who are not black, who are dating black men. You also need to be having those conversations with your significant other to be like, am I the, like, have you like what's going on like why were you interested in me because you need to know that yep because <laughs> some of them you look at it girl he ain't never dated a black girl in his life why he don't like the way his mama look that part yep mm-hmm. and i feel like as someone who's lighter you know and all this stuff i think like it's my job to kind of be out of pocket and so um because <laughs> especially when i started dating someone i was really out of pocket because i was like yeah you can't say i'm just bitter because they love to say you're just black men. Sometimes they'll be like, oh, you're just bitter and mad that nobody wants to date you. No, I'm not bitter. When I was happy in a relationship, I was really wild. But, um, and so I, I had a black man once. I asked him and I said, why do you ain't never forget to date no black girls? And the black girls you do date, have dated in the past, have all been mixed, biracial. Nothing wrong with that. Shout out to the, shout out, you know, ain't nobody mad, but I just, let's talk about it. Like, I'm, let's have a conversation genuinely. And he was like, oh, well, you know, he's like, he, we had a conversation one time and he was like, I don't know. I don't know. I've never, I've, you know, I was around you guys growing up and all of my sisters are light skinned and my mom is light skinned. And that's just what I, most of the women in our family are light skinned. Please. I'm like, don't do that. All your sisters are not light. Like two out of three are like in your family members, your, your great uncles, all of them are dark. What are you saying, bro? Like I literally had to sit there and be like, no, that is not a genuine excuse. And then we had another conversation. He was like, no, you're right. After he thought about it, he was like, no, you're right. I have like colorist views. He's like, I have, that's a problem. And he's already married now. So there's nothing he can really do about that. But he, he, he did admit, he was like, you know, you're right. It's not just I can't just use the excuse like, oh, this is what I was exposed to. He's like, no, I genuinely, like, I think it's just because I have just been taught that that's not attractive. He's like, is it right? No, but he's like, that's what it was. And and that's all I really want people to see is just recogni- recognition that, yeah, it's wrong. <laughs> there was a, this, this happened a few years ago. Um, one, of my, one of my good friends, a black man who shall not be named. And he, his views have since changed. They've, they've changed significantly. But at the time, uh, he was in a different place. And I remember him saying this because we were like, walking back from the gym. And he was talking about how... So he was a, he's a, a lighter-skinned man. And he, I remember him saying that he didn't want to marry uh, anybody that was darker than him because he didn't want his children to be darker than he was. And I just remember thinking... Ooh, my boy, yeah. you, you can't, what? And I, I remember, I, I called him out on it too. And at the time, I don't remember how that was resolved. I don't remember what really came, but I just, I remember calling him out for it and being like, yo, you, that's not, you can't say stuff like that. And um, I actually had forgotten about that, but it's just been interesting to see how his views have changed over the years as he has moved away from certain elements of his life and moved more into other parts. But yeah, those kind of views are are prevalent 
quite often within the black community as a result of white supremacy, right? Because of the ideas that have been um, fed to us for so long, first beginning with slavery, where, um, you know, darker slaves were, were kept out in the fields. And then when, when slave masters would rape uh, would rape uh, black women, then they, those kids that they would have, those kids that they produced that were lighter, would get to work in the house and be servants in the home. That already created that rift right there. And so then you've got that, and then you move into Reconstruction era, and you've got the brown paper bag test, where if you were darker than a paper bag, you weren't allowed to vote, you weren't allowed to have certain rights, and yep. then you move forward, and you know th then those things just slowly became a part of black culture. Then you've got discrimination with hair and so hair texture played a role in that and there's so many things that that just kind of work into that and everything it just it all fits together right in the hip-hop culture yeah like mm -hmm. hip-hop culture just took what was already happening right what you're talking about and just um what's the word exacerbated the issue yeah yep yeah. i mean was it kanye west talked about in this song is a very famous song gold digger he talked about how once he got oh, famous he said, like, once I get famous, I'll leave your ass for a white girl or something along those lines. He said, once he get on, I I, I know that this is my favorite okay, line in the song. Yeah, Every yeah. time I sing, <laughs> I sing it with so much passion. It's like, and when he get on, he leave your ass for a white girl. And yeah. it's kind of true. If you look at famous black men, mm -hmm. not all, again, not speaking absolutes, but especially like professional athletes, their spouses are the closest thing to whiteness they can get. Mm -hmm. Yep. And man, that's another conversation. Now, again, we want to stress and it's so difficult to say this and to sound genuine and sincere because the issues that we're talking about are so complex and so difficult. There's nothing wrong with an interracial relationship. There's nothing wrong no. with being in a relationship with someone who is not the same race as you. We're not trying to say that that's wrong. But what we are saying is that a lot of times there are other factors that go into people's choice to be in those kinds of relationships. Um, and, you know, there are people who can and have a, a relationship with someone who is not their same race and have a beautiful, wonderful relationship. Um, but there are also a lot of people who go into those relationships with a mindset that is toxic or a mindset that is colorist or texturist or or just flat out racist. And that needs to be acknowledged. Um, and so that's really all that we're trying to say is just that there are certain mindsets that go into the choices that we make. And that's that's applicable to everything. But with this, it's just such a hot button issue that it's hard to discuss that without making it sound like we don't approve of anybody who's in an interracial relationship. And that's not the case. We know plenty of people we love dearly. Um, our very own Rachel Weaver. <laughs> <laughs> you gonna call her out, huh? What do you say? Y'all know it's all on TikTok. We ain't telling no secrets here, but you know. So anyway, and that's my that's yeah. My sister, what you know? are you gonna say? I was dating a white man. I was. Yeah. So was Kenny. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. That's yeah. Right. So it's it's not a it's not a no. It's not an incorrect. It's just what when I. If, when I dated this white man, it wasn't because I wanted to be the white man. It was, this is a cool person. I liked who they are at the time. And, um, I, like, we have a good connection. <laughs> They're laughing. But, um, you know, I was, because of who they are as an individual. And um, I did not have, like, oh, wow, they going to give me light babies and blah, blah, blah. Like, if anything, I'm running away from that. It's like, no offense. <laughs> Like me, actually, if I ended up with a white person, my kid, I'm, I'd be afraid of how light they could turn out because I've seen all types of. Mm, that's a whole different set of challenges. Exactly, because 
my mom is half white. We found out through like a DNA test in 2017 because she was adopted. So like knowing that like I am technically a quarter white, I'm like, oh shoot. I, I don't know. It would just be a different challenge having my child that was that appeared racially ambiguous. That's a possibility for me if I was with like a non-black, a, a, a white person. There you go. It stresses me out. Cassandra, anything <laughs> to add? You know, I think, like you guys said, there's nothing wrong with interracial relationships. Um, I think that they're beautiful. And like Rachel said, as long as you're going into it with the mindset of I'm in this relationship because I like this person for who they are, as opposed to I'm in this relationship with this person because they are not black, Mm. (laughs) right? Or because they are lighter skin color. Like if that's your only qualification, then you need to reassess. But if you're getting to know the person for who they are, and if they just so happen to be another race, that's great. Whether that race is white, black, you know, speaking of other races, the same thing can be said of like white men who only want to date black women, right? (laughs) And just, you know, other topics of fetishizing women of color come into play with that. But with any race of people, if they are set on only dating one specific race that is not their own, then that's a little questionable. But if you're getting to know the person, you genuinely like them, you vibe with them, and you're open to dating, you know, whoever it is that you click with, there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that's way more genuine than going after someone strictly because of what their skin color is. That's just questionable to me, but yeah. If your thought is what your babies are going to look like with that person, that's a problem. Because people love to, people fetishize mixed people so much. Not just mixed black people, mixed anything. Like, you know, you hear it all the time. Like, I want mixed babies. Or, oh, your baby is so beautiful. Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, very interesting. Something I noticed a ton, very clear. Whenever I was interested in someone who wasn't black, um, and I would, like, tell my friends or, you know, when I'm dating this person who was white, people are like, oh, your kids would be so beautiful. They would be so beautiful. Versus when I was dating a black man, no one ever said that to me. Literally never. Mm. That comment was never, ever made to me. Mm. But anytime I talk mm-hmm. about the possibility, even the possibility, I ain't even dating this man. People would be like, your kids would be so cute. Um, when I'm like, the white man uglier than the other, but the black man I was with, what are you talking about? Like, come on. Like... <laughs> Anywho, just interesting things I noticed. Did you feel like you could confront them on that, the friends who were making those comments? No, because I feel like I didn't connect it until afterwards. You know what I mean? Like, I felt like I was like, wait a minute. Like, it wasn't until I was dating the the Black man, and I realized no one ever said that to me. And then I was like, wait, why has no one ever... No one has ever said that to me, and I. But I've heard it before when I would talk about interest in other black men and other and non-black people, and so I just thought it was super interesting, and um, yeah, just something I noticed, and it was kind of like after the fact, so I couldn't really say anything, and I don't remember who exactly said it, but if it happens again, I will definitely say something because I love to, because you know people love to talk about mixed people, like like it's crazy, and I'm like this is getting weird, and it's mostly white people who make those comments. I'm gonna be honest with you, because I, I don't hear it as much from black people. Mostly, most of my friends are black women, and so I haven't really heard black women say that. But white women, as soon as I tell them about a, a white boy I'm interested in, oh my gosh, Rachel, you're <laughs> versus like if I tell them I'm interested in a black man, they never would never say those things. Interesting, and that gets into a whole other thing. That's more like racism on the 
on the other side of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we'll talk about that another time. But this has been a great discussion. I've learned a lot. <laughs> and uh, Cassandra, so great to have you on the show. Can I come over Happy after to this? Be here. Yeah, what y'all making for dinner? <laughs> Listen. Save me a plate. What? Panda <laughs> Express is what we're having for dinner. <laughs> but no, yeah. Um it was great, great to uh great to have you on the show. And um yeah, for those of you listening for the first time or if you're continuing to listen, please be sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms. We're on the Patreon at Menace Society. We're on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram at The Black Menaces. And we are on YouTube as well at The Black Menaces. Be sure to follow us there. And make sure if you have any questions that you want us to answer like we did today and we got into this really awesome discussion, um, email us at theblackmenacepodcast at gmail.com. There's no the. Oh, my gosh. Every week we (laughs) swear we mess up, guys. Like, it's bad. (laughs) Blackmenacepodcast at gmail.com. We'll get it eventually. We'll get it eventually. Maybe, maybe episode twenty-five. Right. We'll get it. <laughs> Just email us at the blacks. That's that's what it is. Oh, not the blacks. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, y'all. Black Menaces Podcast at gmail.com Hit us up there with menace moments as well as your questions. Um, with that, we're gonna close it out. But just remember, never forget. Always be a menace. Always. Fading out.